I'd like you to open your Bible over to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 is where we'll begin in just a few moments. This message is just some final thoughts about God, your family, and you. We'd like to tie up some uh, loose ends, so to speak, and uh, just kind of bring everything down, bring the plane in for a landing. This is part 16. You know, that means four months ago we started this, and I hope it's been helpful to you and can be, hopefully, in the future. So just very briefly, I wanted to mention, and this is kind of like a little here, a little there this morning, okay? Nothing hermeneutically impressive or anything like that. But um, first, I'd like to say a couple things about marriage, okay, as we are, are tying this part up. And one of those is this, and I know I touched on it, but I wanted to just emphasize it again. Communication is a major key in any marriage or family relationship. Communication is a major key, major key in any marriage or family relationship. And it's something you have to work at. Some days you're communicating better than other days. But uh, just keep that in mind. And, And the key is that you keep the channels open, okay? That you keep the roads open, so to speak, and that there's communication going on. Now, one man, he was talking about with chagrin. He was talking about an issue that came up for him. He said, my wife has not spoken to me in three days. It's not good communication, by the way. I think it has something to do with what happened on Sunday night when she thought she heard a noise downstairs. She nudged me and whispered, wake up, wake up. Groggily, I said, what's the matter? She says, there are burglars in the kitchen. I think they're eating the tuna casserole. I made last night. That'll teach him, he said. (laughs) Silence continues there. Hopefully they got that fixed. So keep the communication open. Keep the communication open. Really shifting away from that, all right? But nevertheless, I guess communication would be related to it. And I wanted to just toss this out, and this is key. And especially for those of you who aren't married yet, here it is. As much as possible, live a debt free life. Okay? As much as possible, live a debt-free life. Okay? As I was growing up, people were falling in love with credit cards. And then there was also an entitlement mentality to young couples who were getting married. And they would look at their parents who had worked very hard for many years and then accumulated things. And, and, you know, they had a house and they had furniture and they had this and they had that. And the kids automatically think, well, you know what? Hey, we should be able to start out that way. And so what they did was they got in way over their head in debt and trouble in that regard. And it could be through just charging things. It could be credit or it even could be things like college bills that still had to be paid for their education. Whatever the case, it can put incredible strain on a marriage. Now, listen, marriage is not the problem. You know, I've heard this many times. One of the biggest problems in married life is finances. No, go deeper than that, please. One of the biggest problems in married life is self-control. If you have self-control, if you've got a biblical mind, remember, everything starts with the word of God. That's the way it's supposed to be, right? If you have a biblical mind, you're going to have self-control and you're going to realize, you know what? We are not going to be in over our heads on these things. So as much as possible, live a debt-free life. If you are going to use a credit card, then pay that credit card off every month. Now you might say, well, why in the world would I want to use a credit card? Well, 
One reason you may want to use one, and I'm not saying do this, it's up to you, okay? Scriptures don't speak about that, is that depending on how you how your credit card is set up or who it's with, you can do things like earn free miles as far as flying. Well, if you know you don't have any family outside of St. Cloud, that's probably not a big deal. But if you have family in different parts of the country or the world, that is a big deal. And to just use a card and you're automatically getting miles on that and then you pay it off every month. And by the way, that's the key with a credit card is you pay it off every month month, you might say, well, there's too much on there to pay off this month. You've got a problem. Don't buy more than you need. And if you use it, pay it off every month. Now, the credit card company may not be too excited about you doing that, but you'll be excited about it because you won't have any debts. Doesn't that sound good? No debts? It sounds real good. Romans 13 and verse 8, it says this, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Now, this doesn't mean you cannot borrow because Jesus in, in the Sermon on the Mount actually talked about lending. To those who come to you, you can, you can lend to them, all right? And so why would he say do that if it was something that was a sinful thing to do? No, the key is this. Use your head, okay? If you're going to borrow anything, make it very short term. If you can do it without borrowing, that is the best way to go. I know one interpretation of this, not translation, but interpretation, is the idea of don't let any of your debts remain outstanding. In other words, be true. If you go into an agreement with somebody, such as, let's say, for your house, as an example, don't let your debts remain outstanding. Be true to your payments. You gave your word. Stay up with it. Now, I know there are things that can come into life, you know, unemployment and these kind of things. But even that, folks, now listen, you might say, well, you know, what if I lose my job? Well, that's, again, that's another good reason not to get into debt, right? You see what I'm saying? Don't assume things. I've heard some people, and, and I cringe when I hear this, they'll say, well, you know what? We're going we're gonna to buy this thing on time, because I'm planning on getting a raise six months from now. You're assuming something. You should not assume. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Be careful on that. Be true to your agreements. And as much as possible, work to be debt free. And can I say this? If you have any kind of a loan with interest, pay it off as fast as you possibly can. Extra payments add up. Okay, what I mean by that is you, you make more payments than you're required to do, and before you know it, that thing is paid off, all right? And that is a good way to live. So as much as possible, live debt-free. I think it's an incredibly important truth, and it takes a lot of pressure off of your family and off of your marriage. Okay, let's shift more to the family, all right? Turn with me to 3 John, 3 John. Yes, there is a 3 John in the Bible, It's only one chapter long. Now we know that John, of course, was talking about spiritual children here, but there is a biblical principle that certainly this is true on a spiritual level, and I think it's also true on a physical level. In 3 John 1 verse 4, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Boy, isn't that the truth? If your children are walking in truth, the children that you had born into your family, that they're walking in church now, there's a good chance that they're your, the spiritual ones in a sense too. You led them to the Lord. 
through your family, you were, you were being a godly home and godly parents are responsible and you led your children to Christ. And so there's that aspect of it. But how wonderful it is to know that your children are walking in truth. I know for us, it's one of the greatest blessings of our lives to know that our kids are living for Christ. What a wonderful truth that is, all right? But with them and them walking in truth, how does that happen? Well, we covered in detail some of that issue in in our section on children or training them up. But let me talk about here for a few minutes, folks, some things that will undermine that, some things that will undermine your family. Now, I know there are people who will hear this who will kind of balk at some of the things I'm saying here. But friend, I'm telling you this as a concerned parent. I'm telling you this as somebody who does, by the grace of God, because God's word is true, that's why, have children who are living for Christ today. And so don't blow it off as something, well, that's just dinosaur talking. Well, number one, I'm not a dinosaur. I'm a human, okay? But these are important things for you to realize. So let's talk about a few things that will undermine your family. Here's one. Too many activities for your children. I see that more and more nowadays. It's almost like the kids are out of breath. Their parents have them into this and into that and into this and into that, okay, all day long. And parents, those are the same parents who are complaining that they're always having to go pick up their kids or bring them here, take them there and all that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Who put them in those things? Do they need all that? Do they need to be busy 24-7? in all these activities. Now, I'm not saying don't have them in any activities. That's up to you. But be careful, by the way, be careful with that as well. But have you brought it on yourself? You may have. And you know what, folks? If your children are not around during the day and they're not around during the night, then when are you talking to them? When are you discipling them? When are you mentoring them? When are you instructing them? Okay? Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Do you remember the statistics we talked about, about families that eat together? That's becoming a thing of the past, isn't it? Yet it's a very important time, dinner time. Now, I'm not saying it has to be that way, but I'm telling you, it's a good thing. It's a good thing, and a lot is communicated over the evening meal. Think about it. Too many activities. So you have to know what your children are thinking if you want to disciple them effectively. And that takes time. I'd say, well, when my, when my child becomes, when they become a teenager, you know, I want them to get a part-time job or whatever. And I understand that. And that's good. And that's good experience. Okay. But keep it in balance. Be moderate with that. Don't go overboard. Not only that, be, be, know where they're working and know that that's a, a decent environment for them. And if it's not, you know, years ago, we had one of our young people, they got a job at a, a, a local Burger King. I think it was a matter of months later, if I'm not mistaken, he was working one day and went out back or whatever. He went back there and the manager was out back with some of the other employees smoking marijuana. So the question came, what, you know, parents, what should we do? He he needs to quit. That's what I wouldn't work there for anything. Now, just so happened that that place just closed down last week, which is interesting. But you see what I'm saying? Be careful of those kind of things. Be careful. You need to spend time with them. Here's another one, and folks, listen, I think everybody realizes this, but parents, you may realize what I'm about to say. Would you do me a favor? Have the courage to stand up about it with your children. Technology. If there's anything 
that is a Trojan horse in the home, it is technology. I'm not against technology. I use it all the time. I use it every day. I'm using it right now on my iPad. I'm not against technology, but you have to keep it in check. You have to be careful. Smartphones, okay, I'll make some enemies. I don't think your kids ought to have a smartphone until they graduate from high school. And the kids, no, no, don't take it away. Well, you know, if you have an addiction, you shouldn't have it. And it can be addicting. Smartphones, it's addictive. Everybody knows that. Let's admit it. Well, all their friends have them. Oh, are the friends the ones raising your kids? Bad media. Be careful, parents. Be careful of this, what your kids are taking in. Bad media. Internet access. All right? I'm not against the internet. The internet is what it is. It's a way to communicate, to get information back and forth. That's what it is. You know, a television set. What is it? It's a television set. It's not evil in itself. A radio. It's not evil in itself. But it's what you do with these things that can be a problem. Be careful. I like the old issue. If your children are going to get on the internet for anything, I like the old, you know, years ago when the internet first started becoming popular, parents would say, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to put it in a open place in the house. That's a good idea. Parents, I would never let your child on your phone, ever. They have no need to be there. I'd say, well, it's just handy. If you have a computer in the house and they have to do some sort of a research, okay, your computer should be in a place that's not behind a closed door where everybody can see what's going on. You've got to have accountability. You've got to have checks and balances. If you don't, you are going to be sorry. It's not even a matter of them going out looking for evil things. It's a matter of evil wanting to find them. Your electronic devices should be locked or filtered or both. And let me say this, recently there was a, I knew of an issue, it was a, it was a problem in a family about a, something found on the internet. Let me say this, my wife and I discussed it and we, we both believe this, if they come over something bad, they should immediately go to dad or mom about it. How immediate? I mean right now. I mean you get up from the chair and you go tell your parents about what you came over. That is the way to handle this. And if perchance, folks, and whether it's your children or husband and wife, if perchance you have a smartphone and you do have internet access, you know what you need to do? And whether it's a smartphone or a computer or a tablet, any kind of electronic device in that regard, what you need to do is you need to have complete open accountability to one another. Men, your wife ought to be able to take your phone at any time. It isn't that she doesn't trust you, but this is a good thing. She should be able to take your phone and she should be able to get into your phone and go anywhere she wants on there. And it's the same thing. Men with your wives should be able to do that. You might say, well, that's, that's based on distrust. Listen, there's a difference between distrust and accountability. I have accountability. It isn't that our church staff doesn't trust me, but I have accountability. You know what? My office computer, totally open. Go. Anytime, okay? They know the password. Pastor Trout knows the password to my computer in my office. He's welcome anytime to go and look over that computer. Now, yeah, we have filtering on it, but still. You know, years ago, I, we had a problem. Uh, years ago, it was. Some of our students got into pornography. 
on the internet. Their computer in the home had filtering. But see, kids are smart. And if they're driven by wickedness, they can find a way to get around that. You might say, well, how would they do that? Well, text some not-so-spiritual friend of theirs who's probably figured a way. See, they're communicating. And by the way, if they don't have a smartphone, they can't text or a phone where they can do that, okay? You better be careful. You better be checking up on this. We don't need a bunch of people coming up the next generation who are addicted to pornography because their parents were not careful on this. Your phone needs to be locked and they have no, and if they do need to look up something, they do it right in front of you. Don't ever let them have that. It's a Achilles heel technology, okay? There needs to be full accountability and freedom for your spouse or mom or dad to look at your devices, whether it's phones, tablets, laptops, desktops, it doesn't matter. These are tools that can be used for God's glory. I use mine for the glory of God, but folks, they can be used for evil and you need to be careful. Let me give you another one. This may surprise some of you. I would be very careful about letting your children sleep over at other people's homes. I have never known one good thing to come from that. I've been watching this for years and years. I've never known one good thing. I've heard of plenty of bad things that have happened. And by the way, I'm not saying that those other parents are perverts or whatever, okay? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, though, folks, is is not every family thinks the same way and has the same standards, even though we should. Not every family does. And that can become a really sore spot. And by the way, I'm talking about within the realm of local church. Listen, if you've got your kids spending the night at other people's homes who aren't even saved or whatever, I think you're crazy. I really do. In the days in which we live, come on. We're talking about protecting our children here, folks. We're not talking, well, the the, the family will get mad. Let them get mad. Who said that they have a right for your children to be sacrificed and compromised and, and affected for life because of what's going on in their home? They don't have a right to your children. I was talking to Dr. Scudder about this. He says, you know what, over the years, he says, I'm sure we lost some families because of me preaching about this. He says, it's got to be. And I said, I told him, I said, I agree with you. I agree. Let's move on. How about once your children... And with that, be careful about who your children's friends are. Again, folks, you have no obligation to let your kids play with kids that will have a negative effect on them. Well, I don't want people to think I'm self-righteous. Let them think what they want. Your responsibility before God is to protect your children and make sure their lives are not compromised. Now, again, people say, well, I don't like that, or I don't like you. Well, sorry. I like you. I like you. And if you're saved, by the way, you might as well love me now because you're going to spend forever with me. So, all right, let's move on. How about once your children leave home? I know some of you. Oh, don't say that. It's coming. Unless Jesus comes back before then. Let me give you a couple of these. Well, there's several of them, okay? And really, this is kind of the rest of the message. Once your children leave home, number one, as a parent, you should be training up your children to where they can function on their own as adults, okay? I know that that's hard for some parents to take, but that is part of your responsibility. I can remember uh, my mom. Now, she never told us this when we were living at home, but I can remember us going down to visit after we were 
uh, you know, gone and, and we were married and so forth. And I can remember her saying once, and it was, it was almost like an aha moment to hear it from her lips. She explained this very thing to us. And she said, you know, I understood. Now here she was, and I don't think she was saved until later in her life after I was saved. But she had a moral compass about her. She was a moral person. And she understood motherhood. She understood it. And she said this, she says, I knew early on that my job was to raise you up to where you could function on your own as an adult who's responsible one day. Now listen, for somebody who most of that time wasn't saved, that's pretty good, isn't it? Thank you, mom, for that. See, when I heard that, it gave me even greater respect for her because here's a mom who got it. She understood they need to be adults While most of us love our children deeply, we also need to understand that it is important for them to leave home. Listen, it's a killer. I understand it, okay? It was hard. All three of our girls, it was difficult. I can remember when we left uh, Michelle off at college, our oldest daughter, and uh, we're driving away, and both of us are in the car crying, okay? It was hard. But she's married to a pastor today, three beautiful children. They're serving the Lord. She's responsible. What more could you ask, right? Don't make it hard for your children to leave, by the way. And what do I mean by that? Don't lay any kind of guilt trips on them. Don't do this and don't do that. And okay, you can just go. Go ahead. I'll be okay. Don't worry about me. Here's another one along with that. When your children get married, don't interfere in the marriage, okay? When they got married, a new family unit was established. They were supposed to leave and cleave. They leave their family, they cleave unto their wife or husband, they become one flesh, you have a new family unit. Respect that, very important. I've seen where this was violated and the the young husband and the wife, they end up in divorce, Because her parents would not butt out of that situation. They were trying to manipulate it, and it was a disaster. Here's another one. Pray for them. Pray for them. When your children leave home, pray for them. We should be praying for our children every single day. Pray for their safety. Pray for their health. Pray for their spiritual condition and health. Pray for any specifics going on in their lives that you know about. Be thinking of them, okay, during the day. Now, here's a a beautiful use of technology. If you you text, all right, we have this going on in our our family. They'll do group texting, and everybody, it's family-related. Fun things, they come over, or thinking about you, praying for you today, I love you, these kind of things where there's that just that nice communication going on during the day. That's a good use of technology, is it not? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for their spiritual well-being until we see Christ. Praying for that. Pray without ceasing. Number three, encourage them. As they get out on their own, okay, and they're having to learn those things that they thought, you know, when they were teenagers, of course, they knew everything. And by the way, some even when they're young married adults, they think they know everything. Encourage them. Hebrews chapter 3. Look at it with me. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13. 
It says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Encourage them. Now the word exhort, it doesn't necessarily mean encourage, but it does mean to come alongside, to comfort. And I think comfort can be very encouraging, don't you? They need that. Be there for them, okay? Don't interfere, but be there, which leads us to the next point. Proverbs chapter 19, look there with me. Number four is this, be there for them and be willing, be willing to counsel with them. Be there for them and be willing to counsel with them. As they grow up, this is very important, you will go from control, when they're little, you control everything, right? That's correct, by the way. You don't let a one or two-year-old make life decisions, As they grow up, you go from control to teacher to mentor to counselor. From control to teacher to mentor to counselor. Be sensitive to that. Respect them as an adult, okay? Which I'll say more about that in a moment. Proverbs 19.20 says, Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Now, let me say this on the receiving end of that. If you are an adult child, okay, particularly a young adult child, and when I say child, I'm not not being condescending, okay? Your mom and dad are still alive and they love you very much and they're there for you. That's what I'm talking about. We've got some of those in the room here today. If you are an adult child, don't think your parents have nothing to teach you now, okay? Don't think that. Some young adults think that. They think, you know what? Yeah, we've got it wired. Hey, we're on our way here. We've got momentum. Life's going good and all that. And you think, you just kind of leave mom and dad in the rear view mirror. Or you come over something and you don't even think about asking what they think. Now, again, they're not, parents are not responsible to make your decisions, but they can help you make a good one. They've been there. And if they haven't been, if they're godly, they'll tell you so. And, say, and they'll say, well, let's discuss it, or, you know, I don't know what to say. Let's pray about it, or whatever. But they're there, okay? So if you're an adult child, don't think your parents have nothing to teach you now, or that you, here's one, or that you are smarter than they are. The truth of it is this. If that's the way you come across, that is very hurtful and insulting to your parents. Because they're looking at you with eyes of love, and they know what you know and what you don't. And for you to think that you know more than you do and you kind of look down on them as they're like out of the loop, they're not out of the loop. They're just being kind and wise and not trying to interfere in your life. But they're glad to help. Listen, if your parents made a mistake, why not learn from their mistake? Ask them about it to where they can keep you from making the same one. Doesn't that just make sense? It's a good way to live. And not only that, it'll draw you closer together. So parents, be there for them and be willing to counsel with them. I'm not saying keep calling them and telling them what to do. No, butt out, okay? But at the same time, while respecting that new family unit there, at the same time, be ready to help if they need help. And number five, and it kind of goes along with this, do not treat them like children. When your kids are gone, don't treat Well, that's just the way I see them. Quit seeing them that way. Okay? They're adults now. We need to treat them like they're adults. They're not children any longer. 
See, this is a matter of proper respect. The truth of it is this. Adult children who have left home and they're on their own, they resent being treated like children. I say, well, they are though. They're our children, but they're adult children, okay? They're not little teeny boppers anymore. They're not in high school. See, they will never mature if you are directing their lives. Once the bird has left the nest, let the bird learn to fly. Very important. Romans chapter 14. Look there with me. Romans 14. This is something we need to keep in mind. And can I tell you sometimes, here's an issue, and I hear of this often, where you've got adult children making mistakes, parents see that they're making the mistakes, and yet parents, good parents, are hesitant to jump into that because they do respect that new family. They do respect the fact that they're adults, but they see it's a it's a difficult thing inside. Internally, they're being torn because they say, you know what? I don't want them to make the wrong decision here. So you want to jump in, but you know you shouldn't jump in. And so all of that, you might say, well, how do you fix something like that? Adult children, get counsel. That'll help. You're facing a difficult situation? Ask somebody who's been down the road further than you on that. It's a Bible truth. Here's what we need to keep in mind, Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. That includes your children, your adult children. Number six, turn with me to Colossians chapter four. Oh man, if there's anything that will drive a wedge between adult children and their parents, it is this one. Number six, when they make mistakes, try to avoid telling them you know it's coming. I told you so, okay? When they make mistakes, try to avoid telling them, I told you so. This can be like pouring salt into a wound. Folks, almost every time, the result of that will be resentment and bitterness. Colossians 4, verse 6, it says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man right? Number seven, always reassure them of your love. Always reassure them of your love. You might say, well, they know I love them. Well, every one of us likes to hear it, right? Every one of us likes to hear it. First John chapter four in verse nine, it says, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the satisfactory payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Okay? Assure them, reassure them of your love. If they blow it, reassure them of your love. If they do something that hurts you, reassure them of your love. Is that not the way the Father is towards us? He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. From the very beginning of this series on, with uh, the family and raising up children, what was the first one? Unconditional love. That holds true when they become adults, not just when they're little or teenagers. Always reassure them of your love, okay? You notice in verse nine, in this was manifested the love of God toward us and that because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. 
Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. How significant is that? Well, it's ultimately significant, okay? Friend, listen, let me ask you, do you know for sure if you were to die right now that you would go to heaven? Do you know that? Right, so I hope, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to behave, I'm trying to be a good person. Can I tell you this? You're probably not going to heaven. Why do I say that? Because you're looking at your good works as your means of getting into heaven. You can't go to heaven by your good works. Going to heaven is only through what Jesus did on the cross. Do you see that here? God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through what? Not our good deeds, through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The satisfactory payment, okay? If this was you and me and this is our sin, we're all sinners. Our sin separates us from God. To go to heaven, you have to be sinless, and yet none of us are. And God says there has to be a payment for that sin. There has to be a payment. The wages of sin being death. We'd be separated from God for all eternity if we did it ourselves. Your good works won't take it away because we're already disqualified. We're already sinners. So then what are we going to do? Okay? Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son, this hand representing Jesus Christ, sent his son to be the satisfactory payment for our sins. Why is it satisfactory? Because he paid for them all. There's nothing left. It was a complete, paid in full payment for our sins. Jesus paid it all, rose from the grave, and he says, if you will believe or trust in him that he made that payment for you, he will give you that moment everlasting life. You go to heaven, not by your good works, you go to heaven by what Christ has done for you on the cross. You trust in him and he gives you eternal life. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, look at it with me. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, faith in Christ, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, not of works, lest any man should boast. People who say, oh, you need to believe in Christ and also do good works, that is false. How do you know that? Because it says it right here, it's not of works. It's of faith. You put your faith in Christ, he saves you by his unmerited kindness, his undeserved mercy. That's what grace is. Now, the biblical truths that we have covered in this series, folks, they work. They work. The problem is never what God says or his principles. The problem is always with us failing his principles. These principles are from God himself. He is the master architect of the home. You will have success if you apply them properly. And God is no respecter of persons, and I'm glad he's not. So this is open to anybody who wants it. You can come and get it, all right? Now, this series is available on video. It's available on audio. You might say, how much does it cost? There is no cost. There is no charge. The word of God goes out freely from this place, okay? You can download these for free. You can copy them. You can give them to friends. Folks, we want to help people. We want to help people get saved. We want to help marriages and families be strong. Bumps along the way, everybody has them, but God's ways work. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? 
To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.